everyone, and welcome back to Nintendo Everything Refresh, the weekly show where we keep you up to date as to everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. This is episode 26, and I am joined by Dennis Gagliardato. Hello, hello. And we've got Nicholas today. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. I know it's, uh, it's we've kind of had a rotating cast recently. I know it's been a while since we've had all four of us, but uh, don't worry, Louise is still still around. He's still, still trucking along. And uh, we're uh, ho- hopefully we'll have one with all four of us sometime soon. I, w- I won't be here next week, just throwing it out there for all of our listeners. But um, but we are still gonna keep keep doing this, these weekly episodes for you guys. So thank you to everyone who has been coming back week after week. All right, so a little bit of a slower news week, <laughs> which I mean, gosh, thank goodness because I <laughs> I don't know if y'all listened to our episode last week, uh, but there was so much to talk about. It was it was ridiculous. That was, that was yeah, that was big. <laughs> that was like, really like, big. Between the Nintendo Direct and Tokyo Game Show, like that was probably a bigger week for gaming news than like E3 and Summer Games Fest and all that. Just crazy. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> um, it was it was a lot. Yeah, fortunately this week, a little bit easier to digest, but we still got some exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, um, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to uh, get hands-on with Mario Plus Rabbids sparks of hope and uh so we're going to talk a little bit about that and how the game felt to play and uh just kind of do a little round table discussion get a sense for um what what you know there is to look forward to in this next big mario game that is coming up pretty quick um we're going to talk a little bit about detective pikachu 2 there were some rumors uh that that game is actually pretty close to release uh, we're gonna, we, we, then we just got some other smaller topics towards the back end of the show. I won't spoil everything out the gate, but l- let's get right into the most exciting, exciting topic in my opinion. Uh, Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Uh, this is the big sequel to 2017's Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, uh, which was a real, I think, surprise for a lot of us. I mean, I think a lot of you know, this was right when the Switch came out. It was really the first big Mario game on it, so a lot of people were going to pick it up. But it was kind of a, a divisive, like, concept. Like, oh, you guys are going to put the Rabbids, of all things, in my Mario game? Like, that's just weird. Um, but I think folks who actually played it, like, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It ended up being one of my favorite, you know, Mario games, maybe I, I, up there with some of the best of them for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know... <laughs> Who would have thought Mario XCOM and you just kind of shove rabbits in there and it turned out, it turns out great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that concept, you're absolutely right with that concept of having both the rabbits and Mario, um, especially since rabbits themselves are very... You know, they're kind of like the minions, right? I mean, you 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 kind of either love them or hate them, um, because they can you know they can they can be a little over the top. Um, but yeah, no, it all meshed really really well, and it really became a labor of a labor of love that I think just absolutely um, was seen on just about every single frame of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know you could tell that it was just made by a passionate group of people like yes you know ubisoft hasn't had the best history um over the last couple of years um but you know with the right team of people and the right project i mean it's clear that they still have developers there that are uh, very much um ex- not only passionate but excited about you know uh, the projects that they're working on and uh, you know david soliani um 
who was the, I believe, the creative director of the first game, and um, I believe still is for the second game. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Um, you know, he he was just so. I mean, what a just number one, what a great guy. But number two, um, you know, it, it's it's clear that it was a dream come true for him because I mean, I'm sure we all remember the you know <laughs> Ubisoft presentation from years ago where you know Miyamoto was on stage and he was presenting it and you know they came right. to him and he's crying in the crowd. He's just so overwhelmed with joy and emotion and he can't believe that Miyamoto is there talking about him, talking about his game because he looked up to him, you know. So it was very clearly a label of love. It was a very heartfelt moment and um, and then that showed through just how good um, Mario Rabbids was and, and I, I I do believe Sparks of Hope hope will be just as good if not better so yeah i was um so i basically I, I got to play this game for three almost four hours and uh in that kind of preview session uh i got to play through the prologue which i can't really talk too much about just for spoiler reasons um but i also got to most most of the demo was exploring uh these kind of two big in-game planets so the first one is uh, called Beacon Beach. It's kind of like this like stormy island planet. Uh, it's the first one you visit right after the prologue. And then there's another one later in the game called Pristine Peaks, which is like, you know, your typical kind of snow, ice-themed world. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty much from the moment I started playing, you could tell just how substantial of, a, of an improvement this is over the first game, just in so many areas. I mean... From, from the attention to detail, uh, just everything is just so just like lovingly crafted. Um, the animations are just just splendid. Like even, you know, not just talking about like the main uh, cast of characters, but uh, just like environmental details and NPCs, just everything is animated so well. Um, that, that was really, I think, the first thing that, that caught my eye. But I, I kind of want to th throw it to you guys. Like what, what are you guys curious about, you know, looking at this game that's coming out in a little over a month, what is what are you guys curious to know about? I'm curious what motivated the, the decision to have Rabbids speak in, like, full English sentences, <laughs> but then still have the Mario cast just go, Waha! <laughs> okay, yeah, so I don't know why, but let me tell you, it's, uh, that was one of my favorite things. Like, it... <laughs> I will say, like, for people who probably don't like the Rabbids, I don't know if this is going to help help you, but, um, you know, it, it kind of works. It, it's weird. So, like, you'll be in combat, and Rabbid Peach, you'll, like, you'll trigger, for example, you'll trigger her, like, group healing thing, and then she'll just blurt out, like, this is our healing journey, or something like that. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> it's like, it like catches you off guard so much that it's just hilarious. Yeah, the I, think it, I think it's because it was so random that it was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's the contrast of having the rabbits, which are the, you know, the characters you least expect to speak, actually be able to talk <laughs> normally. That really makes it great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's like, I feel bad because I can't like... I can't, like, recall, like, every single line of dialogue that they said, but, like, I feel like everything they did say, like, the comedic timing was perfect. And their voice actors just are going, like, clearly, like, to 150%. <laughs> and so it makes just even these really simple lines of dialogue just sound just really funny and adds a lot of charm to the game. But, yeah, when I was, when I was playing, I was talking with some of the other, other people who were playing the demo, and we were all like, did, did this happen in the first game? Did they talk? And... 
we we like couldn't remember at first because it f felt so natural the way that they had worked it into the really the combat mostly. So uh, and th this is this is just a curious question, really. But I know Rabbit Rabbit Rosalina is in the game. Um, but is I don't know if this is something you can mention or if they're just saving this as like a surprise. But like, is is regular Rosalina like Princess Rosalina? Is she there at all, or just the rabbit version of her? Seems weird to have the rabbit version, but not the real Rosalina. I haven't seen her. At yeah. All. So I didn't. Um, I didn't get to play as rabbit Rosalina. I should say that. Oh, um, okay. I did. There was a new character that they introduced called Edge that I did get to play out, which I do want to talk about that character because mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so there are some implications that Rosalina might be in the game, like, later on. I, I really don't want to spoil it too much because, I, A, I, I haven't played through the full game, so I can't say for sure. Yep. But, yeah, it does sound like, like, I am getting kind of the sense that there are going to be some deeper connections to maybe the Mario Galaxy games. I don't know how deep it's going to go, but there was there was a moment in the in the prologue that kind of implied that we're going to be seeing some interesting things down the road. Mm -hmm. I think in the Pristine Peaks gameplay that we posted earlier, there's a section near the end where they mentioned trying to find Rosalina for what it's worth. Yes. So she probably yes. is a character that exists um just, you know, probably making appearance more in the late game i would assume okay yeah that that's pretty much the extent of of what i know about rosalina being in the game or not but honestly just that alone has me intrigued you mm -hmm. know this might be the closest thing we ever get to a super mario galaxy 3 uh, <laughs> even though it doesn't yeah. really share any of those mechanics it's you know yeah. if it ties in I'm, I'm there for it yeah it's so interesting yeah, that the theming of this is so heavily galaxy based it's a pro you know, it's a good direction, but it's so funny after years of, you know, Galaxy basically being not exactly left behind, but you know, we've moved on from Galaxy to other things. Yeah. And now suddenly this is like, you know, Rosalina and Galaxies traveling between planets, basically Lumas in the form of sparks. I think even yeah. Starbits and stuff. Like it's a lot. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel kind of out of left field, but it really works for this type of game. I mean I don't really know exactly how many planets are in the game at this point, but it seems like you'll be hopping around fairly frequently, and uh, there's a lot of just environmental diversity in this game, and so it does kind of lend itself well to the idea of, oh, we're traveling through the universe, going to different planets and all that. It, it fits really well. Um, and, and yeah, the, uh, the weird, like, rabid uh, Luma hybrids, uh, yeah, th so those are the actual, like, sparks in the game's title, the Sparks of Hope or whatever. Um, they're like these rabid Luma hybrids, and they essentially they act as, um, I don't want to say like companions, but you can equip, at the start of the game, you can equip like one of them to each of your characters, and it gives them basically like an elemental attack, for example. So you can say, oh, okay, this enemy is weak to fire, so I can equip my fire you know, spark, and that will help me in combat. Um, and then later in the game, you can equip two, two of them, and you obtain more of them just as you kind of progress through the game and complete uh, different objectives, but you can also, like, upgrade them. Like, they all have their own kind of, like, upgrade path, and that's on top of, like, the upgrade paths for just your normal, you know, cast of characters, like Mario and Peach and all that. So 
So there's going to be quite a bit of... I, I mean, I definitely got the impression that there's a lot of depth to like how you want to build out your, your party and how you want to approach these tactical challenges. Um, definitely more than I had the chance to like dig into during my preview session, which is a good thing in my mind. Like <laughs> there's more depth than I was able to fully, you know, dig into. Yeah, it's exciting to hear. Um, I think there's also been, they've said that there's been a few other things they've done as well that I think kind of help uh, evolve the game from the first entry. Like in, in the first game, you always need to have a rabbit character and a Mario character in your party at all times. And I think you also always need to have Mario in your party. And if I recall correctly, they've changed that in this. Just oh, giving your... Yeah. Like, well, I don't... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about if Mario has to be in your party, because I think I just always had him in mine. But yeah, I definitely... Um, I didn't always have a rabbit in my party, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. There was one battle I just did just with Mario and Luigi. Yeah, and just like that matter of kind of opening up what you can do <laughs> gameplay-wise... That's nice, because that was a, a, a small complaint I had about the original, where it did kind of restrict your, just the way you had to form your party in that regard. But I think just in general, everything we've seen of the game, both exploration and combat-wise, just looks so good. It really does seem like an evolution of the previous one. Uh, I did not realize the Sparks had their own upgrade paths, so that's kind of exciting to hear. That's an extra layer of depth I was not aware of. But even outside of yeah, that... Yeah, it's like... It's like you you feed them basically like the star bits that you collect. Uh, <laughs> and so it's another little galaxy yeah, that, connection that makes right sense. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like even outside um, of that, which is another layer of complexity, everything in combat is totally overhauled. Uh, in terms of things being more semi real time, not exactly real time, but it is so much more real time than the previous game. It's it feels almost it feels almost unfair to be able to to watch people able to do all of these things before enemies even get a turn to move <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know I, I felt kind of bad about it as i was like oh my gosh like these enemies like they don't even have a chance sometimes <laughs> like there was one battle where i i i mean if it's it's i wouldn't say it's just like an easy thing to do all the time but like it's totally possible like if you are leveraging all of your characters moves that they can do uh before you even attack you can sometimes clear out an entire battlefield before the enemies have even had a chance. Like, because you have, you know, you still have, like, your dash attack, for example, so you can, like, basically slide into enemies and you can deal damage that way. But later on in the game, uh, like, one of the characters, Edge, he's, like, this... I, actually, I think it's a, it's a girl, but um, Edge is, like, this kind of, like, mysterious, like, ninja-ish rabbit. I don't really know how to describe <laughs> it. Um, but... Edge has like a s equipable skill uh, that lets lets the character do like three dash attacks. So you could, if you have that character in your party, you can damage one enemy three times, or potentially like a row of enemies like three times, which is crazy. And then you still have like your your team jump, right? So you can launch your characters all over the map. You can, you know, so it's just it's ridiculous mm -hmm. um, how much you can do before. You even enter, yeah. like, a traditional combat phase. Yeah, even just the fact you can throw bombs at enemies was just such a... How is this fair? <laughs> like, you can freely run into a bomb, pick it up, and toss it in, like, any direction. All during your turn without them being able to do anything. And the bomb looked like it did massive damage. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it feels like there's this, like, 
god complex that they're trying to like put on the player basically where it's just like look the world is at your disposal man just go in and just destroy everything um but i i wonder if that's um not only a way to be um strategic because you're adding so many layers right and taking advantage of this overall combat system that can just add you know techniques on top of techniques to really maximize you know the the damage output but i also wonder if it's a way to also have increased um you know accessibility without explicitly putting it through a sort of difficulty wall um if that makes sense you know where people could just sort of um you know experiment even if they're not familiar with this type of genre um you know they can sort of you know play around and still um have an, have a favorable outcome to the battle yeah there are different difficulty options you get to choose from oh, okay. at the beginning of the game so i do you know it is like inclusive in that way but yeah okay. no i get what you're saying like for the folks who really want to dive in deep and you know learn all the mechanics yeah you can really you, you can accomplish a lot mm -hmm. more the more you dig into it so it is rewarding in that way but i will say that like you know the battles do get tricky like and maybe this is just because, like, the second half of the demo that we played was much later in the game, so they kind of had to just quickly run us through, oh, here's this new mechanic that, you know, normally you would have unlocked earlier in the game, but we're just going to tell you about it now. Um, but, like, there are some, like, pretty challenging, like, stages that I, I ran into in the demo. Like, one of them, for example, and they have different objectives. So not all the stages are centered around just, like, clearing out all the enemies. One of them was, okay, you need to... Uh, so, like, there were all these, like, I can probably describe them best as, like, these, like, giant pipes that, like, when you hit a switch, it would blow out a gust of air, and it would push anything in its way, like, down to the next level, right? So your goal was to, like, basically get one of the bob from the top level all the way down to the bottom level to, like, blow up this... They call it, in the game, they call it dark mess. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of darkness, like, darkness. Um... So your goal was to like hit these switches and get the bob all the way from the top all the way down to the bottom, but at the same time like you're being like attacked by enemies from all different angles and some of them are really tough. And one of the game's developers was actually watching me like struggle through the section and he was like, he came over to me and he was like, I just want to make sure you understand what you're supposed to be doing. He was like, you don't have to fight all these guys. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm just, I have no choice, they're, they're surrounding me. Um, it's also just side note uh, a little intimidating like playing through someone else's video game while they're sitting there <laughs> watching you like the guy watching me he was like oh yeah i'm like the level designer for this game and i'm like oh okay great so you're gonna no you're doing it wrong you. <laughs> yeah like for for anyone who's whether you're a member of the press or you just got lucky at like an event or something like that if you've been in that situation it is very <laughs> it is very like intimidating because like th that first time it happened to me was years and years ago before the original division came out um i went to a convention and uh the team i believe at red storm studios uh was there showing off the division 
um, you know, on the topic of Ubisoft. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I didn't realize that, you know, I thought they were just, these were just people that were just sort of, you know, representing the game. It was just like, here, here's, here's an early, uh, you know, look at it. No, like we're, no, like the UI designer is there, right? The creative director <laughs> right. is there. And like all these guys that are part of the team, everyone there had a role on, you know, at the studio. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and they're all like, you know, breathing down my shoulder, just making sure everything's good to go. And this was a very early build of the game like this was a whole entire year before the game came out so very early right um but yeah yeah it's 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 intimidating (laughs) it can be very intimidating yeah for sure but um but yeah no so so the level design like was just really impressed me and especially in the exploration phase too like like the worlds are not massive from what i gather but there's a lot of different like layers to them so like you might be out in the overworld for example and you'll go into a building, and it's just this just massive structure with all these different rooms and stuff. So I, I think that people are going to be surprised at how big this game is and how much there is to see and do. That's really exciting, though. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, having a sequel that genuinely feels like a sequel... Because I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys. I feel like there's been... There's just been this trend lately with games. Um, now, this isn't the case with... with everything but i i don't know sequels uh are like used to mean i don't want to say they used to mean something because you know they're still you know <laughs> sounds like you do excitement <laughs> yeah <laughs> well make mean, there's there's still an excitement when there's day. a follow-up <laughs> well you know i know i sound like an old guy <laughs> you know you know just like you can just clip any any you know clip from uh <laughs> clean eastwood from from uh Grand Arena, <laughs> just me being an old grumpy man on a porch. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it, it, you know, sequels are, still have a level of excitement to them, absolutely. Um, but you know, sequels maybe because now you know we have the ability to patch stuff and update, and there's DLC and things like that. But sequels just don't have that same sort of like impact and that substantial change and feeling that they used to. Um, you know, you used to go in and like you were familiar with the concept and the brand that you were getting into, but you weren't, you know, but the game still felt new. It still felt different. It was it was this level of excitement that was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. This is a fantastic sequel. But now it's like I, I think games are almost getting too comfortable with how they are. And, you know, since it just came out, it's a perfect example. But, you know, it's, you know, we're starting to see that over the last couple of years, and it's not the first one to do this, but this sort of Splatoon effect, where it's just like, all right, just kind of do the same thing as before, because we don't want to scare off players, right? We have we have a, a foundation of followers that we want to retain, you know, for the for the next release. But, you know, we also want to sort of innovate, but slightly. Um, but yeah, nothing feels substantial, and, but this feels substantial, right? It's just like, let's do that, but like, make it so much better right let's tweak anything and everything that we know we can improve on to really make it feel like you know yes this is mario rabbits but you know man what a brand new experience like it still has its own identity it doesn't feel like more of the same instead it feels like Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna really celebrate it feels like a celebration that's what it feels like where it's just like you know we're passionate man let's let's just go balls to the wall and you know make this game as great as we can you know, as we can make it, even though we already did that for the first one, let's really try to challenge ourselves and top that, you know? And I think that ability to top, um, you know, 
you know, a a predecessor now is sort of put to the side in favor of, you know, let's just make sure we have a game that sells, <laughs> really, you know. <laughs> and that familiarity is, I think, what drives. It's it's a safety net, you know, making sure things are familiar. So people are like, oh yeah, no, I love the first one. I'll just pick up that, you know, because that looks cool, you know. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I just want. I, I think it's what makes every new Pokemon I, I don't generation that... exciting. You know, it's it's yeah. yes, it's still Pokemon, but like you're in a new region, right? You have brand new Pokemon. You know, you, it's it's yes, there's gimmicks that can or cannot I, be annoying, mm. but yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, know. I, I don't know. I necessarily agree with that take on Pokemon specifically, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, because well, I mean, Dennis, yeah, if, it, if that's how you feel, Dennis, I think you, I think you will be impressed with this game. I think you will be impressed okay. with the scope of it for sure. Okay. Well, it looks um, exciting. I'm super stoked. Yeah, and it's right around the corner too, uh, October twentieth, and we will have a review coming out right around that time, hopefully. So, um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, but hey, speaking of sequels, here, here's a, a sequel that I guess we've technically known has existed for a long time, but we don't know anything about it, which is really weird. <laughs> So, uh, this has been just, just a weird one. So, Detective Pikachu, do y'all remember this game on the 3DS? It came out, I want to say, towards the end of the 3DS's life lifespan, and it was, uh, it was, just, oh, yeah. it was a short, kind of narrative-centric, you know, Pokemon spinoff. Um, well, back in 2019, they announced a, a bunch of new Pokemon games, including a new Detective Pikachu game for Switch, but we've heard, like, absolutely nothing about it since then. Um, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> this week, uh, it was spotted uh, on LinkedIn that uh, someone who works on the game, it, someone's basically their profile specifically mentioned Detective Pikachu 2 and said it was nearing release. So, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so weird, right? It's always bizarre when you have these games that have been announced years and years ago, or mentioned years and years ago, and then they just, you know, you get radio silence, and then suddenly you get, like, a little yeah. peep here and there, like, oh, hey, this still exists. Um, it's like Pikmin 4, for yes. example. Yes! <laughs> well, yeah. I feel like it was more of a, more than a peep for Pikmin 4, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, yeah, absolutely. And um, this is just, you know, again, this, this is what this is. This is a senior programmer at uh, Creatures, Inc., uh, and just, hey, the game is nearing release, despite the fact we've heard literally nothing about it in three years. <laughs> yeah, um, so I guess the, this kind of brings up, the, the main question I want to ask is, uh, what do you guys want to see in a Detective Pikachu 2? Because, the you know, we got the Detective Pikachu movie, which was just, like, very different compared to the game. Like, totally different setting totally different vibe i would say yeah um but it was interesting in its own way i i would be interested to see like okay maybe they should just lean harder into the, this like <laughs> like sci-fi noir detective story like i'd be there for it <laughs> yeah i mean um yeah i'm i'm totally for it i mean i loved i don't know if you guys played detective pikachu but i loved that game. i thought it was great it was such a cool unique take on a Pokemon spin-off and like I, I don't know I find myself enjoying the spin-offs a lot more than the main games <laughs> just for some reason <laughs> and um, and Detective Pikachu was just such a cool sort of perspective on let's take that Pokemon universe but really you know make it you know the sort of 
let's just go for like a 1940s sort of vibe we'll put it in the modern day you know um but it was such a cool concept and there was really nothing like it and but yeah to say what i want from detective pikachu 2 i'm not sure right because it's it's detective pikachu looking back on it didn't really have much in terms of gameplay you it just didn't like the world around. on fire yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, it just kind of you just kind of went around and investigated things and then but the cutscenes were really well done all things considered for a 3ds game and uh the graphics look good and yeah i mean like i honestly i wouldn't complain if we end up getting more of the same and it's pokemon so you probably will <laughs> you know but um but it's yeah, I don't know. Either way, I'm excited, and like the moment it got announced, I was like, "Give it to me!" And dude, I I've been thinking about this on a weekly basis basically since then. So now that we've gotten this <laughs> really? news piece, weekly I'm not even joking. Yeah, yeah, weekly weekly basis. Yeah, no, it's an issue. I, I do see. I it wake up at night and a Pikachu with a detective hat yeah. out my window. <laughs> Games that live rent free in Dennis's head. Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Deal. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I did rewatch the movie for like the twelfth time, like the other day. <laughs> So, I really like the movie too, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's you know, it's it's it, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because that game was so unique that it's like I don't know what they could or couldn't do for a game like that. Um, but I, I guess the only thing I can really ask for is rather than the side-scrolling nature of it that it was before, I, I would like more of an over-the-shoulder sort of view. Uh, you know, like AI Somnium files or something like that. Okay, like a more traditional third-person adventure, you're saying. Yeah. Because yeah. it kind of, I, I didn't play the first one. I think I was a little caught off guard by just gruff Pikachu's voice. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it kind of played kind of like a like a point-and-click game, right? You know, like you're kind um, of like like a, no? It, well, well, no, I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not too far off, but like, yeah, I mean, I mean, you could still control the character, but I mean, effectively gameplay wise, that is what it was, right? Where you would sort of walk to a place, select a place or, or select an object and then just sort of investigate it. So no, you're not wrong in terms of like by definition okay. of what a point and click uh, essentially is, but you did have more sort of control, um, you know, and three dimensional movement um, for the, for the character. But, uh, but yeah, everything was sort of done like scene by scene in a sort of side-scrolling manner and i you know i mean you had like a z access um but uh but yeah i i do right, want more of like right. an over the shoulder um uh shot and something that that gives more i want more collectibles too i feel like that was the big problem with the first one it was very linear and once you finished it you finished it there wasn't really anything in terms of post game and especially the way that it left off on a cliffhanger um you know it was sort of disappointing in that regard so I, I would like more collectibles um more of a post game as well and just uh, something to really flesh out the entire experience a little bit more instead of you know this a to b to c you know all the way to z sort of format um because it just made it too um too too linear for my liking uh but yeah that was my only real critique of that game otherwise i loved it i thought it was great yeah, you know, it seems, I, I think the thing that intrigues me most about it, other than just how off the wall it is as like a Pokemon spinoff, is it seems like the main reason why this game existed was because they wanted to make, like, they wanted to give you like a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They wanted to like take like a Pokemon location and make it feel like a real place, you know? Like they wanted to give you like a deeper <laughs> look into like what these Pokemon cities would look like and let you explore them a little bit. And 
that is interesting to me. And so, yeah, like, to see what a modern implementation of that would look like, especially, Dennis, like, if what you were suggesting, like, oh, if we did get get something that plays out like a more traditional third-person adventure, there's a lot of potential for, like, detective-style gameplay in, like, this fully explorable city. Like, that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, the production value was through the roof in that game, too, so... I didn't. I actually didn't know that what you had just had mentioned about you know the making them wanting to feel like a like a lifelike city. Um, I, I think I think they nailed it. I think they did a really really great job with that. Um, so you know, and, and they can take advantage of the Switch hardware, um, yeah. and you know take that to the next step. I mean, oh God, I mean just thinking about it is like that's that's super exciting to me, and I, I think um, you know a big step in the right direction for where that series can potentially go for sure. What about you, Nicholas? I know you're a big Pokemon fan. Are you uh, are you down for Detective Pikachu too? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested in it. Uh, I do own the first game, but I never ended up playing it. I think at some point in time, I got just you know for the novelty of it. Um, yeah. Sometime at some point, I heard that just as a game, it's not bad or anything, but it's very much kind of like baby's first like Ace Attorney, <laughs> if that makes sense. I'm sure that's probably a bit of an <laughs> yeah. exaggeration, but. Um, which kind of just made me a little less interested watching a little bit of gameplay. The more, I guess, the more investigative parts of the game seemed like they were, you know, toned down to the point that anyone can enjoy them, essentially. So that didn't that kind of lowered my interest for it a little. Um, but I still think it's a good concept. I did watch the movie, and like Dennis, I, I also really like it. I think what you were saying about it being... Um, kind of a way to peek into what a world where Pokemon are, like where Pokemon just exist and it's a modern world and how they interact with society. I love that part of the movie. I thought that was super, super well done. And um, yeah, if the game's like that, that makes me more excited to try it. And I'm also more excited to see what happens with the sequel, potentially. (laughs) I think the one thing I guess I would want more of the sequel is just to have... Not necessarily a more mature story. I don't need, like, you know, Pokemon getting killed off by a serial killer. But (laughs) just have something that's a little bit more... I I guess I can dig my teeth into more. Assuming that the first game wasn't necessarily as uh, story-heavy, if that makes sense. Or as, like, intrigue or mystery-heavy. I guess that's what I would want from a sequel. Is something similar to, like, an Ace Attorney or to... Or to an extent, a Danganronpa, where there's genuinely some kind of mystery that I have to like piece together and whatnot. You want to like have like an actual like trial scene, uh, yeah. Where like Snorlax <laughs> is yelling out objections. I mean, and, like, honestly, you know, if they wanted to turn it, trials, yes. yeah, If they wanted to turn it into yeah. a Danganronpa game, I'd be down with that. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know. All right. Well, um, I, I'm you know, no idea when we're actually going to see anything of this game, but uh, and again, you know, yeah. this is all just like a rumor, right? Like someone, I mean, this is a developer who posted on their LinkedIn page, so there's like some credibility mm-hmm. to it. But who knows when we're actually going to see we'll, it? We'll see it when Pokemon um, Sleep is announced again. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good answer, Nicholas. Um, hey, speaking of Pokemon Company, uh, this was kind of a weird story that came came through this week and I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, Nicholas and I were having a conversation about it so he might be the the better guy. So apparently there's this uh, 
There's this thing that competitive Pokemon players do called nuz- Nuzlocke runs. Is that how you say it, Nicholas? Yeah, Nuzlocke. Where it's like, okay. And uh, apparently Nuzlocke was like, he was the person who made this whole thing. Anyways, this story came out from Kit and Krista. Uh, you know, they were like the former hosts of Nintendo Minute. And now they're doing their own podcast thing. Um, and they were saying like, oh, like they wanted to do a Nuzlocke run for their, uh, for their show. And then it was shot down because, um, they like, they, you know, Pokemon company didn't like to do this. Um, they're saying, oh, we consider this to be on the same level as like hacking your game or whatever. This crazy stuff. But then apparently after that, after this whole story came out, um, the Pokemon company came out and they're like, oh no, we don't have a problem with this. So the whole, whole thing's just weird. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a whole mess, and I think it's just, it's a mess that was kind of amplified by the fact that it went onto social media, <laughs> you know, as it always does. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, the root of it was, uh, Kim and Krista were on a podcast, someone said, you ha- like, asked a question, hey, do you have any fun stories about Nuzlocke or whatever, and they just mentioned, like, like you said, uh, for an episode, they suggested doing a Nuzlocke, they, like, sent the proposal in, and, uh they basically got shut down hard (laughs) and there you go. And then people online started taking that and being like, Oh, well, Pokemon company is completely off touch and don't know what they're doing. Uh, which to be fair, I I feel like I'm more inclined to follow that route of logic because Pokemon company makes some genuinely (laughs) baffling decisions at time. So I could believe that being the case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, then it was just, it was a whole mess. Um, Joe Merrick, who is the the owner of the Cerebee site, it, one of the basically one of the most well known and reputed sites in terms of just general Pokemon information, stepped in uh, and basically said that from his experience, from his representative that he's at, that he's been in contact with at the Pokemon Company, this is not the case at all. And I mean, that's kind of the extent of it. <laughs> and at, at that point, it's kind of just a his word versus their word, and it's just. I, it's a mess, and social media has just made it much more of a mess than it realistically should have been. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing. I, I don't doubt, like, um, fun fun side note, I actually got, I actually ran into Kit at, when I was at this Ubisoft preview event. Oh, nice. Super, super nice guy. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I don't doubt, like, even just from talking with him, like, I don't doubt that, like, this is something that, like, actually happened. Like, we all know how Nintendo is. Like, you know, they probably have all kinds of weird internal policies or whatever. So it's, like, totally... So I don't think, like, anyone's, like, not, like... People are exaggerating or mm-hmm. whatever. It's probably just... Yeah, it's not malicious it's probably way, or anything. Yeah. No, it's probably just way easier for the Pokemon company to come out and be like, no, of course <laughs> we would we never do this. You know, we would never do that. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. It's It seems like much to do about nothing to me, but it's just... It's funny when these random things yeah. come up in the news. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, well, when I first heard that that news, too, I, I, you know, before, you know, we got the clarification of, like, you know, them being cool with it now, anyways, you know, not to say what Kit, Kit and Krista, you know, had said wasn't true at the time, you know, but, um, you know, because, you know, views and management changes all the time, but... Uh, right, exactly. You know, it, but it wouldn't shock me. As a matter of fact, I do believe that that is something that happened, you know, when they initially asked, and... Um, 
you know, even though they may not feel the same way now, I was just thinking, just like, you know, if if these guys, just because, like Nicholas said, because it's true, they make some of the most baffling decisions just ever, and they, they, they do live in their own bubble. And, like, you know, it's, it's, I, I do think that if they weren't developers, they would make a great batch of comedians, because they do some <laughs> of the funniest things that, that just... It just doesn't make sense to me, and you just can't help but laugh at it. You know, and it's just like it, to to relate Nuzlocke to it, 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 put it on the same scale of ROM hacking is that's just absurd. That's just absurd. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a little that's such an exaggeration that uh, you know, real or fake, uh, it, it's such a. Uh, I it just I can't even find the words for it because I'm just so flummoxed from it all <laughs> you know it's it's that's it's hard to word. process it. flummoxed yeah that's yeah. that's good um <laughs> yeah and i guess we should probably actually say what what nuzlocke is uh nicholas would you like to would you like to describe sure it's just like basically a run where you yeah. just like so it's a make it hard on yourself yeah it's a challenge run <laughs> uh key note here is that it does not involve any kind of hacking or modding or whatever it can be done completely native because it's just rules set by the person that you are dear to you know yourself um, and what it is, is essentially just, you can only catch the first Pokemon of every area, so you have a limited kind of stock of Pokemon that you have access to, and you kind of have to run with what you're dealt based on what you encounter. Uh, and the second rule is that if a Pokemon faints in battle, you cannot use it again. I think initially the idea was it, it dies if it faints, which is, you know, just for flavor, but realistically uh-huh. what that means is just you cannot use it again. Uh, and I think if your entire party faints, then uh, you basically lose and you would have to reset at that point. Got it. Got it. Okay. So there you go. That, that's what the whole controversy is over. <laughs> it's Pokemon's fan, version fan of a roguelite, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's, Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Nuzlocke's have been a thing for, like, probably a decade, at least, I think. Like, they have been around for I a very say. long time. So it's very odd that like this this would come out it's a controversy point. now it's yeah. well it's just weird also that the pokemon company just wouldn't be aware of that in any way like they there have to be people there that would understand what it is and even if, even if they don't i would assume that you know when submitting a video proposal for nintendo minute they would probably king chris would probably you know write out the concept of what they're going to be doing like i don't think they would just go up to the pokemon company and be like yo can we do a nuzlocke like yeah. they, they probably write up you know hey this is what it entails and what we will be doing it's all very official yeah. so stuff, yeah. yeah so like I, it's yeah. it's just yeah it's weird it's very bizarre well um yeah so that that was i think that qualifies as our our random news story of the week <laughs> but let's shift gears here uh this is a great great topic that dennis brought up uh earlier when we were talking about what we wanted to bring up this week um so this is just so we've all been living with the switch uh for Gosh, it's been let's see, 2017. Oh God, don't! So five, five and a half, <laughs> almost six years now. Oh, It'll be six years, years in the spring. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah. So we've just we've seen a lot of interesting changes just in the handheld gaming space since then. Um, you know, I mean, shoot, just this year alone, uh, we got the Steam Deck, which is a huge deal. Uh, we got the the Playdate, which is a very different type of handheld console. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of just these types of weird handheld PC, you know, hybrids like the Aya Neo. Um, and then just this past week, um, Logitech of all companies announced they're making their own 
kind of Android-based gaming console that's mostly focused around like streaming. So mostly focused around like streaming Xbox cloud games and PlayStation cloud games and all that. So it's just, it's kind of an interesting space. You know, we went from um, only having, I mean, gosh, at one point it was only like Nintendo and Sony. Like they were really <laughs> the only companies in the handheld market, you know? And now it's Nintendo and all these other companies. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, it's like when, you know, when we were sort of like briefing before the show, it's, it's one of those things where I, it's good to have competition because when you have a monopoly, you get way too comfortable. And, um, you know, with the Switch now almost being six years old, um, you know, it's becoming less and less uh, feasible to get current gen games to mm -hmm. run well on the Switch. Despite the Switch now more than ever having probably just an insane library, first of all, of, of games you wouldn't even expect to, to run on that thing, um, you know, to varying degree. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible what that system is capable of. However, as more and more games release, and there are more and more games than ever now, um, you know, because, you know, before uh, the Switch was very much like, oh, man, I, I hope that comes to the Switch. I hope that comes to the Switch. Now it's like, oh, yeah, now, now it's like stop porting it to the Switch. <laughs> it's gotten to that point now where now it's the reverse. Just stop I can't porting stand it to, to see it run at like 10 frames per second. Or Right, exactly. Yeah, or it's uh, like, oh wow, this is coming to Switch, but wait, is it actually going to run? I won't play it on it. <laughs> right. So. What's what's the caveat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, um, and and I I think um, you know, and while it was it was an incredible thing to see in the beginning, and and really quite frankly, for for at least a solid four years, um, these last two years, I want to say especially, which lines up with when you know the Series X and the PS5 came out. Um, it's it's starting to get to a point now where games are becoming less and less optimized for it and you know i'm you know we won't get on the topic of disney dreamlight valley but <laughs> you know it's are you sure it's uh, no i'm, I'm positive <laughs> but uh but you know it's it's this is a good thing um however in the case of the logitech uh you know cloud handheld um it, it, First of all, let me just say, I, I hate... It doesn't have an official name. That's just the name of it. The Logitech G Cloud Handheld is what it's, it's called. It's a bad name. Logitech G Cloud. Well, G is the series G for gamer, Dennis. Yeah, I don't know. It's too generalized, man. It's just... It's, G for generalized. It's too generalized. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, actually. All right. You know what? Touché. G, G for Gagliardotto, Dennis. How's your name? <laughs> true, <on> true. <laughs> touché, touché. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, but I think it's also much needed, you know, that, you know, we do get this sort of, um, competition to sort of interrupt the market a little bit. Um, Nick, I know you have a steam deck and, you know, I, I've been seeing, um, you know, I can't speak for everyone. Obviously I don't have one myself. I wish I did, but, um, but I, I've been seeing more and more comments lately. Now this could just be a very vocal minority also. Um, but I'm seeing more and more comments lately that, uh, you know, the Steam Deck has sort of, in a way, replaced their Nintendo Switch. And now the Switch has become what Nintendo consoles sort of have become in the past, right? Where it's just like, I just buy this for Nintendo games, right? And that's what people sort of use their Switch now for that own a Steam Deck anyways. Um, you know, because they rather play everything else on the Steam Deck sure. where they know they can get 
games to run at a at a comparable you know visual fidelity um that they would see um on you know your your base consoles so um yeah i don't, I don't know if you can confirm or deny that or how your experience well, has been with the steam deck or what yeah i mean i'll say this so i i love my steam deck but i i love it for different reasons than i love my switch so I, I don't think it's a full-on replacement. Like, it could be, right, depending on sure. what type of games you like to play. Um, and there are some things that it just excels at this, the Switch will never be able to do, right? Like, you can place pretty much every game <laughs> ever made on the Steam Deck if you try hard enough, right? You can <laughs> run emulators. You can install Windows and run games on it, you know? Um, I actually did that. I, I, I did this crazy, like, jerry-rigging thing where I, like... I got an external hard drive, I installed Windows on it, I Velcroed it to the back of my Steam Deck, <laughs> and that's what I've been using to play Game Pass games on a handheld, right? So you can awesome. like that's make it as complicated as you want. Yeah, but where the Switch excels is you know, like if you buy a game on it, you don't have to tinker with it, right? You can yeah. get this, you know, even if it's not always gonna be the best experience, you're going to get, you know, just a console that you can pick up and play. You click on the game, you know it's going to work. Whereas I think the, the Steam Deck excels more for people who, who like to tinker, who want to get the absolute most mm -hmm. out of their games, you know, or who, who really want to take advantage of, like, having this big, wide ecosystem open mm -hmm. to them. I mean, this... So that's where I think they're different. Yeah, I mean, the Steam Deck is essentially just a laptop in the shape of a handheld console, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. Um, yeah, it runs Linux, but yeah, you can install pretty much anything anything on it if you want to, if you have the patience for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen yeah, it like, like I, an emulation machine. But there are things that the Switch does better. Like for example, you can technically hook up your Steam Deck to a TV, but it's not as seamless of an experience, right? You would have to go into all the settings and change all the display settings, and you'd have to make sure your games can, you know. It, the Steam Deck doesn't have separate like docked and handheld performance profiles. So you'll have to make sure that, oh, this game might run really well in handheld mode, but then in docked mode I have to go through and I have to change all these settings. Whereas when you just plug the Switch into the TV, it just works, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I do think the Switch still kind of does its own thing very well. Um, but yeah, it's really nice, you know, being able to have another way to play some of these bigger games on the go that you know they're going to run a lot better and i have access to this whole back catalog of games now that you know some of them are just never going to be available on a proper handheld system so mm -hmm. yeah i think it's interesting because with all of these handheld consoles that we're getting it feels like none of them have really positioned themselves as a competitor to the switch more of an alternative like we haven't gotten a psp equivalent to the system Everyone kind of do, is doing their own thing in a way where they're not going to kind of be stepping on Nintendo's toes because I think they figure that they probably don't want to do that at this point with the Switch being such a success. So we have alternatives like the Steam Deck, which is kind of more for hardcore audiences. It has a much higher price point, but also, you know, more performance. It requires a bit more tinkering. Uh, even the Logitech goes in a different direction where it's a cloud-only device. So it's going to be playing stuff... At a much higher fidelity, presumably, but it's going to be limited in another factor. And yeah, right. yeah it just, 
I don't know. No one's trying to create a new ecosystem. Yeah, really. like no one's trying to create a new PlayStation Store or Nintendo eShop, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's either you're trying to like leverage like an already existing ecosystem, or I mean, actually, I guess that's really much it. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that's kind of what I think you're getting at, right? Yeah, like, I don't think we're. I don't know if we're necessarily going to see anyone try and uh, directly improve on what the Switch is currently doing. In the way that Sony might have done with uh, some of Nintendo's older handhelds, where they would try to provide, like, a genuine competitor in the PSP. I don't think that the the console, like, the manufacturers in the position to do that, uh, you know, Sony and Microsoft, are necessarily want to be doing that. Yeah, it's... I don't know, man. I would love to see Microsoft in particular come out with, like, a dedicated game pass handheld Mm -hmm. you know like i i think they they are like their ecosystem is just they're doing great things in making their games available on as many platforms as they feel like they can get them onto and so i would love to see them attempt something like that but yeah it's just you know it's just a different time like we're not really at this era where nintendo does have a lot of direct competition in the handheld space and so yeah we're seeing all these companies trying to be in that space, but not necessarily to compete with Nintendo, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yeah, like, and kind like, of take the know, second spot and not try and compete for first, essentially. Yeah, yeah, realizing that, like, there's multiple types of devices out mm-hmm. there for multiple yeah. types of people. And, like, the Playdate, for example, like, that's just a really just unique concept. Like, for those who aren't familiar, it basically looks like a, like a Game Boy, uh, but this little device, um, it... It like it can play like twenty games basically that you get like they like basically send you new games every week, and uh, and then if you want and these are just like very simple like black and white you know two D games, um, some of them are developed by like some like pretty like noteworthy developers like I think Toby Fox made a game on there, <laughs> um, but you know it's just kind of a little interesting experiment. It's not meant to replace your Switch. It's not meant to be the PS Vita two the or Switch whatever, killer. But, Right. Mm-hmm. But not everything needs to be, I think, is, is what I'm trying yeah. to get at here. No, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely space for other handheld consoles to exist, and it's good that they do. Although I will perpetually be confused by the existence of handheld consoles that can only play cloud games, because that just doesn't make sense in my head. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the, the PlayStation Vita was onto something at one point when they had, they had like a cellular mm-hmm. model of that. But I... I think most people aren't exactly rushing out to try and make their cellular plans more expensive either, and I think that's kind of the big <laughs> Clearly, barrier. what we need is the return yeah. of the engage. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> what, what did that have? Like some cellular? Oh, that was like a cell phone console. It did not take yeah. off. <laughs> it was from. Oh, okay. It was. It was yeah, from that... Nokia, I think. It was like an old mm-hmm. thing. I think it was from Nokia, either Nokia or Motorola, one of them. But yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a very weird concept. Yeah. Oh, do you guys remember that weird? It was like a. It was like a. It was just like a Sony phone. Like it was a cell phone first, but instead of the slide out keyboard, it was like PSP controls. Do you guys remember that? I do. I do remember mm-hmm. that. Actually, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of wish all that had taken off because, like, I, I one of the things I've started doing recently because I've been curious. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, I want to leverage my XCloud subscription. Whatever. Is I, I bought one of those like phone controllers that you like clip your phone into. But um, but it's just not like as like elegant or as seamless of an experience. It's just like yeah. having a dedicated device. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've, I've got a Razer Kishi myself. Um, I don't know which one you bought, but um, I do use that for um, cloud gaming um, on occasion. I actually used it last night, actually, <laughs> to play there on the xCloud. So. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think my biggest issue with um, you know the Logitech uh, G Cloud Gaming handheld, terrible name, <laughs> <laughs> but with, the, with that thing is the fact that it is $300. Actually, the MSRP is $350, but there's a pre-order discount where you can get it for $300. So, but it's cloud only, which is a big, big issue. Um, you can probably, you know, install Android games locally because it does have Google Play on there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, three hundred dollars for a device like that, I think, is insane. I think at most, I don't know if they're trying to test the market or, or what's going on to see how much people are willing to pay. Um, but at most, that thing should have been one fifty for something that's cloud only. But the form factor is fantastic. Really, you think I so? love the way it looks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Something that's cloud only, yeah. But however, I will say the battery life. I don't know if you guys, how much you guys know about it, but like the battery life, it's, it's got a twelve-hour battery life. Ooh, wow, it's huge. I guess that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's cloud well, only. I mean, yeah. if you're just like cloud streaming, but well, I mean, I don't know. I think it's actually not that bad of a deal. I mean, it's just, I mean, sure, like compared to the switch, like maybe the value proposition is a bit of a harder sell. But if you think about it, you're basically you're getting just a smartphone without the phone yeah. capabilities. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, with nice <laughs> controls around yeah. it. <laughs> hmm. It's, you know, 300 bucks for basically a dedicated gaming smartphone, I guess. I mean, a smartphone that world. you need, because it doesn't have service, as, as I understand. So a smartphone that you need to be connected to Wi-Fi to be able to play stuff on, though, which is a bit right. of a hard sell. Yeah, that's the weird, that's the weird caveat, for sure. Um, but yeah, I do wish we were, I, I, I will say the other thing I just, I that's not going to have me replacing my Switch anytime soon is um, I love the OLED screen on the <laughs> OLED Switch like so much like oh, it yeah. just it's a great it makes just all the games look so much better and oh, yeah. you just don't see a lot of them and so I think until we get a Steam Deck with an OLED screen I, yeah. uh, I don't think my Switch is going anywhere <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting on that uh, Tears of the Kingdom special edition OLED <laughs> before I dip my toes in <laughs> Oh yeah, it, it'll happen. It'll more than like eventually. <laughs> eventually, all right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to us uh, talk about just uh, the handheld gaming space. Um, let's. L I want to give some quick updates on some games that came out this week, because um, it was well, I'd say it was a bit of a quieter week. There are some things I want to mention. So probably the biggest release of the week was uh, the Diofield Chronicle, which was uh, believe it or not an RPG from Square Enix. Did you guys know that they're they're making RPGs? <laughs> oh no, I thought they specialized in visual novels. What are they doing <laughs> yeah. with an RPG? Yeah, it's That's been crazy. a while since they put out a Switch exclusive RPG. Yeah, they just don't do those anymore, really. They, they really just yeah, no, but um, sure. yeah, I feel like I feel like this one just kind of came out like just kind of mm -hmm. like out, I don't want to say out of left field, but it kind of slipped under the radar a little bit. Yeah, um, but it's getting good reviews. This is. Uh, would you, Nicholas? You you called it. It was part of the Underline series. <laughs> Square Enix underlines all their RPGs. Yeah, I think Dennis had been mentioning about it, but yeah, all of the um, a lot of the Team Asano games, the Bravely games, and Octopath and whatnot. I think Various Day Life as well. The various Day Life as well. Yes, right, Various yeah. Day Life. Um, but yeah, so this one is uh, it's more of a a real time strategy game. And um, I haven't heard too much about it, but I've I've heard that overall it's it's got a pretty interesting story, and that it's um, you know just it's a good RTS game. Um, 
So, Which, coincidentally, but, is also what kills it for me, because I just don't like RTS yep, games. Yeah, and that's what killed it for me. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I actually mentioned in the chat a couple days ago, um, where I, I didn't know who had played the demo and who didn't, but I, man, I could not click with it. It was not for me, which is a shame because like Square Enix, I, I always get excited for every Square Enix game because not only do I enjoy their games for the most part, but, you know, they have some of the most incredible illustrations mm -hmm. in the industry period. Oh, yeah. You know, so like whenever I see good art and that's what like attracts me to like certain visual novels as well as like if you have a fantastic art style, I'm in right away. I don't even need to know the plot <laughs> you know, or how the game is. I'm already in because of the art style. Now, you know, that that can be, you know, a hit, hit or miss depending on, you know, what game it is. But because uh, I've fallen into some very poor games, unfortunately, that have incredible art styles. But uh, but yeah, this is one of those games where, you know, DFL Chronicle, I think it, I thought it looked fantastic from a visual perspective. Uh, but then, you know, once I started playing it, I was like, oof, no, I, I can't do this. Because, you know, like Nicholas said, it's it's an RTS. I, I can't get into that. Um, and uh, I, I've tried many times. The closest I got to was with StarCraft. Um, put a couple, you know, like 10, 20 hours into that. But after a point, I was like, I, I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. And I can't just sit here and watch these people auto, <laughs> just automatically yeah. do things. I just can't. I get bored. Do, um, you, but, do you think that it has to do with the fact that just, like, RTS games on consoles aren't always a natural fit? Like, was it the controls for you? Is it just the pacing of that it? That, too. That, too. Because I tried it on three separate platforms. I oh, tried wow. it on Switch, and then I tried it on Xbox, and then I tried oh, it on PC. Yeah because I was hoping I could click with it somewhere. And I also just like to see the performance differences in all of them. And it definitely fit. The, it was definitely the most ergonomic with keyboard and mouse, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but it still didn't change the fact that I just, you know, unfortunately, I just I couldn't click with it. So after a little bit, I was just like, nah, I'm done. I'm skipping this one. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a competitive genre right now. Like, it almost feels like Square Enix is competing against themselves at this point. They're putting out so many RPGs. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one that I'm curious about. Not going to play it anytime soon, but um, I, I, I am curious about it. And the reviews that I saw for it have me interested in it. So, uh, but yeah, Dewfield Chronicles out. We also got a new Shovel Knight game, uh, Shovel Knight Dig. This is a kind of Shovel Knight roguelite that I think is probably best compared to Downwell. Did you guys ever play Downwell? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, one of, I got it on like, Vita forever ago. <laughs> Hell I never yeah. actually like, sat down and played it. There's a yeah, reason to man, Vita. That was, yeah, well, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so, okay, so Downwell was like, is probably one of the few like roguelites that I actually really enjoyed. And uh, Shovel Knight Dig seems to be kind of taking some like similar ideas from that in terms of its gameplay. Uh, but just looks absolutely charming. Um, the game is developed by Nitrome, which I just have such fond memories of playing their games back on, like, you know, in the browser <laughs> gaming days, you know? Um, but they've been on kind of a roll lately, um, putting out some some smaller games of their own. And, um, yeah, it just, the game looks stunning, and it's getting really good reviews. It's, um, you know, pretty much in line with the action platforming of, of the original Shovel Knight games, but um, it's also a prequel, apparently. So yeah. that's I mean, interesting. I like basically every single Shovel Knight game they put out has been either a prequel or like a, a midquel, I think is what you would call it, where it just happens concurrently. They haven't really delved into anything that happens after the main game story. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, this one looks fun. Again, I'm not a big roguelike guy, but um, the fact that I'm like, 
the fact that this one has caught my interest despite that, I think is telling us. It just looks like a very high quality experience. Yep. I mean, Shovel Knight's um, great. Uh, it's a roguelike, and I generally enjoy roguelikes, at least for a good dozen or so hours. So I'll probably pick this up at some point. I haven't yet because I'm still busy with some other things, including Splatoon 3, but <laughs> yeah, right. definitely think this will be fun to pick up. Um, and then I'd, I'd say the last kind of notable release of the week, I mean, I'm sure there are more, but this, this is one of the bigger ones, um, Taiko no Tatsuhin <laughs> Rhythm Festival. Um, we've got quite a few of these games. So these are, uh, these are a very popular series in Japan, at least, of rhythm games where you're actually like beating notes on the taiko drum. And uh, if you play it in the arcades, which I actually did have the opportunity to do once, it's really fun. You like have these like actual, you're like actually beating on a taiko drum. It's ridiculous. Um, but they, you can even, uh, you can buy a little accessory for the Switch. It's like a mini taiko drum. And you can like beat these little mini drumsticks on it. It's mm -hmm. super cute. Do they sell those in the US <laughs> or are they them. Japan only? I mean, you can get them on Amazon, but okay. I think they have to import them. Ah. Yeah. yeah, as far as I know, I've only seen them, um, well, like you said, on, on Amazon. But, like, when I thought about getting one, because I was, like, super into, uh, <laughs> I was super into those games for a little bit. Um, I almost imported mine from um, uh, uh, PlayAsia. They sell it there, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just, I feel like this is a notable one, because, A, so we didn't get these games in the U.S. for such a long time. Mm. And then the Switch, the Switch was, like, when when the switch came out they got you know a taiko game and it was kind of like felt like a big reintroduction of the franchise to the west and now it feels like we're getting a new taiko game on the switch like pretty much every year <laughs> at this point which is crazy and i think this one even has some like nintendo like characters and songs in it from what i've heard yeah i think it has a zelda track at least i remember seeing that but yeah seems like a fun little yeah. rhythm game <laughs> so so yeah, so overall, a little bit of a quiet week, but definitely um, some interesting releases here and there. And things are going to start picking up <laughs> pretty quick once October rolls around. Because what we've got, we got Bayonetta three <laughs> coming up soon. Uh, we've got Mario Plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Uh, we've got, gosh, I feel like there's more uh, coming out. There's there. ports for Near and Persona Five. Right. Like, yeah, lots yeah. of big ports coming. So. Overwatch October's gonna two. be a oh, yeah. busy month for sure. <laughs> Overwatch two. Dennis is particularly excited about that one. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let, let's uh, switch over to our, our last segment this week. What have we all been playing? Um, Nicholas, let's start with you. What have you been playing? Um, nothing super big to be honest. It's mostly been playing a little bit of Splatoon three here and there, uh, spending time with the Splatfest that's been happening this weekend, and. Um, it's yeah, been, how's that been going? Uh, <laughs> so, it, you know, <laughs> it's been fun, honestly. It has been fun. <laughs> I was playing with a friend yesterday and um, having a good time. Today's been a little odd because, um, the, you know, the whole tricolor turf war mechanic that they that they introduced and in, uh, that they've introduced yeah. in this game. Uh, there's been a whole mess with that where because it was kind of unbalanced in the like the demo Splatfest that they had before the game launched, they reduced the frequency of it um, for this one. And now it's basically not shown up for anyone. <laughs> you get them like oh, every, God, 10, 20, 50 games, depending on the team you're on. It's just a little disappointing. But I think overall, it's, wow. you know, it's a fun experience. 
Uh, I've been delving into the game a little bit deeper, raising the ranks, trying out different weapons, and I really do enjoy the game. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just having a good time. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's kind of the, the main thing you've been jumping into yep. over the weekend? Yep. Yeah, it's, those live events are cool, man. I Again, I'm just like, I'm not a big like multiplayer gamer, but I've always... I've always liked like seeing you know the community that's yeah. popped up around this. Honestly, platform. I'm not either. <laughs> I don't. I think Splatoon is like the only competitive multiplayer game I've ever really played. But they just handle things very well in terms of the community. Uh, just in terms of having still relatively competent single players that you can enjoy even regardless of the multiplayer, and also just right. just having a friend to play with kind of just changes everything, you know. Just having someone to kind of share the experience with definitely it changes the vibe of how you're playing. It makes things feel a little less frustrating, less competitive. So, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, Dennis, what about you? What have you been playing this week? Have you been doing the Splatfest too? Um, yeah, I actually did try it out. Um, and but yeah, I haven't gotten any of those tricolor wars though. Mm. I I don't know what's been going on with that. I mean, I mean, you obviously you mentioned it, Nicholas, but like, I was wondering what was going it's on. Weird, I was yeah. like, why? I thought. Yeah, I thought this was supposed to be like this the weird. defining new thing, and it's just like, and then it's just not there. Skin needs a belt, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've been playing a little bit of that, and uh, I mean, it's fine. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, also, it's you know, it's more, it's more Splatoon. You know, but it's it, it's fun though. They definitely you know refined it in all the areas that that matter the most, and um, yeah, it's definitely I, I think the best one so far for sure. Um, but but other than that, it, it's been a, it's been a pretty pretty quiet week um really i've been playing um corpse factory that's the main one i've been playing um Ooh. which is visual novel and uh that's very dark it's like a psychological thriller visual novel um and um honestly it's not too far off to say it sort of reminds me of a mix of like let's just say um oh god what was that one game called like the house of uh uh, Fata Morgana, and yeah. uh, it's like a mix of that and like Corpse Party a little bit, and uh, it's really really interesting. Uh, it's got a fantastic visual direction, like we were talking about earlier. I had a, that visual <laughs> art style that was striking to me right away, so I immediately I I was drawn to it, and uh, uh, yeah, I've been playing a little bit of that. It, it's this really cool story of this um, website called uh, Corpse Girl. And basically anyone can submit a photo of someone that they essentially want to, um, well, they don't want them to, to walk around anymore. And uh, so they well, still very nice. Uh, well, they want yeah, to but... a bike. How kind. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all it is. Yeah, just a bike, maybe some ice cream. Uh, but uh but yeah they submit a photo with some information and then um the corpse girl basically um you know essentially they, they, people Unalarms that are submitted them. to this uh, yeah pretty much yeah the the <laughs> people that are submitted to this website essentially mysteriously uh you know uh pass away um within uh, like 24 to 48 hours, basically, um, through various means, though, right? Sometimes it's, it's through, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's this really crazy, mysterious thing. Sometimes it's through, you know, self-inflicted purposes. Sometimes it's through accidental purposes. Sometimes it's through, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, a third party. Um, but 
It's uh, it's it's really really crazy, and it's got full voice acting. The voice acting is fantastic, and uh, yeah, it's just really like I'm really impressed with this so far. It's honestly the, one of the best visual novels I've played in a very long time, and I play a lot of visual novels like on a yearly basis. Um, so yeah, this I'm having such a great time with it. Yeah. And, again, the art style is fantastic. Is it so? Just to clarify, because you mentioned. You mentioned the the Corpse Party series of games, but this is not part of that. It's a separate thing. No, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't let the Corpse part of the Corpse Factory like you know, <laughs> kind of kind of confuse you. Yeah, no, because I got excited okay, too, okay. right? Because Corpse Party is one of my favorite series like ever, and um, so when I saw a Corpse Factory, I was just, I was like, oh, is this a new, <laughs> is this a new one? Uh, I got yeah. I very much like stood up from my chair. I was like, I almost had my own Nintendo Direct, right? Where I just kind of jumped up, like, what is this? <laughs> like I just I just sort of freaked out. Yeah, um, but but no, it's it's its own original concept. It's an original uh, game from and a completely unrelated studio called River Crow Studio. Um, got it. Got but, it. But yeah, it's 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 great so far. I've put a couple hours into it. It's it's really fantastic. The writing's really well done. The voice acting again is is fantastic, and the illustrations are like, oh my god, it's just it's it's and playing on a Nintendo Switch OLED is uh, man, those images pop. Man, those illustrations really come out, and they are it's a sight to behold for sure. Yeah, the Switch is just amazing for visual novels like that. Um, oh, absolutely. It's just, absolutely. It's just yeah, I think actually going back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, I mean, there's a lot more visual novels available on Steam, I would say, than on the Switch, for sure. But the Switch is just such a, it's just such a lightweight device, but it's just, it's a really good fit for yeah. those, those kinds of experiences. Um, no, that's great. I'll have to put that one on my radar, for sure. Um, this has been a, a quieter week for me. Um, I've, I had a small surgery this week that I just, I, I, when I was like scheduling it, I was like, oh, I'll probably have some time to crank out some video games, but I've just been feeling like crap and it just has not been great for that. <laughs> so um, I haven't been playing too much, but I, I did end up playing a little bit of this weird indie game called uh, the, Pro the Procession to Calvary. I don't know if you guys have seen this game at all. It's, it's not, super, okay, so this whole game takes place inside like renaissance era paintings okay <laughs> but each renaissance era painting has been animated and it's all very monty python style so you're playing as like joan of arc like right as the crusade is ending and it kind of plays out like a point and click adventure she's like all annoyed that she has to stop killing people because the crusades are over but she ends up going on like this quest to like go kill um Gosh, what, I can't even remember his name. It's like, I'm just going to insert like a random like royal name, like King George the 50th or whatever. She has to like go and find him and like kill him. But as she like is traversing through all these Renaissance era paintings, she'll like run into like historical figures. Like you run into Jesus while he's like performing a miracle. Like, it's just <laughs> completely ridiculous. <laughs> this sounds delightful. And, and, and so like, for example, like one of the side quests I had to do, I like ran into Jesus. He was like doing like a like a magic trick basically. And he was like, yo, can you go get me some berries? And, and <laughs> you're like, he's like, you're like, what do you, you need the berries for? He's like, oh, I need them for my next trick. And you're like, oh shit, he's gonna do the thing where he where he like turns the water into wine or whatever. Um Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's it's really fun. Um and it's on the Switch. So if if you're interested, I would I would highly recommend it. 
You know what this kind of reminds me of, actually, now that I'm looking at it. It definitely looks goofy, and, and, and I, I do have to say, unfortunately, it's, I, I can tell it's not for me. Um, but it, it, does, <laughs> it does remind me of, um, I don't know if you guys have ever played Rock of Ages, but Rock of Ages is like this really quirky yeah. uh, game. You just throw down a rock, really, that just tumbles down a, like a hill that in these actually are really well-designed levels. But you do go through like various parts of history, <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, and the art style is sort of well, not the gameplay. The gameplay is fully three dimensional, but there's like cutscenes in between. The art style is sort of similar to that, in which they look like sort of like I, I mean, I guess you could. I mean, would you say paper cutouts or something? I don't know how to refer to that art style, but uh, yeah, I'd but say yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like bringing a painting to life, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it's very humorous, very comedic, but it kind of, it just, I, when I looked at that, it just immediately reminded me of, uh, uh, uh Rock of Ages, <laughs> which is just a very, very goofy game. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. It may not be for everyone, but if you, if you give it a try, I think you'll be, uh, it'll, you'll at least get a, a couple good laughs out of it for sure. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps up our show for the week. Um, so thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in. This has been episode 26 of Nintendo Everything Refresh. Um, if you like the show, please spread the word. Keep on listening. We are on every streaming platform pretty much at this point. Um, and we appreciate everyone's continued support. Um, so thank you so much. And we'll be back at you next week with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo.